Oddly, Tony has no memories of his mother at home, though he must have been at least seven when she left. David was only five. He remembered only her scent and clutching a gloved hand. After she had gone, he would approach each woman who came to the house and ask her shyly if she was his mother. We were frozen children and will always remain so, David wrote in an impassioned letter to his brother almost a lifetime later. Denied maternal love, his response was to try and make everybody else love him. You chase after it, act it, imitate it, and eventually, if you're old and lucky, you believe in it, he wrote to Tony. But it comes hard, it's flawed, and we fake it a lot, like religion, in the hope that one day we'll have it for real. Magnus Pym, the protagonist in A Perfect Spy, the most autobiographical of David's novels, is another motherless son, whose upbringing is almost identical to his own. He seduces everybody he meets, in a vain search for love. Love was all he cared about, Magnus's old schoolmate Sefton Boyd says of him. Didn't know where to find it. David has never been able to forgive his mother for deserting him. Though the wound healed over, he remained raw inside. He would develop a carapace of relaxed ease, but inwardly, He was racked with rage and wretchedness. Looking back at his childhood, he has written of the sixteen hugless years that followed his mother's departure. He was left ignorant of women and mistrustful of them. Women were people who disappeared without explanation, not to be relied upon. He never loved a woman in his life, Magnus's mistress tells his friend, Jack Brotherhood. We were enemy, all of us. The theme of abandonment recurs again and again in his books. It is there in the very first paragraph he wrote in his first book, Call for the Dead, when Smiley's wife leaves him for the first time. Another of David's autobiographical characters, Aldo Cassidy, the central figure in his novel The Naive and Sentimental Lover, has been abandoned by his mother as a small boy. When asked what effect this had on him, he replies, Well, it made me lonely, I suppose. It sort of robbed me of my childhood. Pressed to explain what he means, Cassidy continues, Denied normal growth, I suppose. A sense of fun. I had no female reference. No one to make women human. David has admitted that he finds it difficult to write about women as a consequence. By comparison with the men, the women in his work are often curiously blank. Whenever I start to write a female character, Olive always seems to get in the way. With John Hill, she settled in East Anglia, where they eventually started another family. Olive was still besotted with Ronnie, however, and after a while she began going up to London to see him. It was always a very happy time, she told Tony many years later. They would have lunch, holding hands across the table, while Ronnie expanded on his latest schemes, ever more grandiose, And, as David pictured it, after the coffee and the brandy, Olive yielded to him in some safe house before he scurried off to run the world. She would later claim to have agreed with Ronnie that the boys should board during the term time and that she should have them on alternate holidays. But if there was such an agreement, she seems to have made little attempt to enforce it. In old age, she recalled that as a boy David had visited her a couple of times, though he is adamant that this never happened.
Tony remembers being taken to see her once, when he was about ten years old, and shouting at Hill in fury. The boys were sent to board at a nearby preparatory school, St. Martin's in Northwood. The school historian suggests that Ronnie may have met the headmaster of the local golf club. Tony was then seven, David only five, by far the youngest child of the school. Even then he was conscious of being an outsider, from the wrong kind of background, a sense of not belonging that would dog him all his life. He remembers little else beyond the harrowing daily routine of bed-making, clothes-changing and bell-ringing, and the extraordinary kindness of my brother Tony, who appeared from nowhere to scoop me up, brush the grime off me, and set me back on my feet.